We've been talking about the preeminence of Christ and some of the divine exchanges that took place at the cross. And this morning we're touching on two, the exchange of his suffering for our healing, the exchange of his death so that we could uh, have life. And we just believe God's going to do something incredible. For those who live in Canberra and part of our online and face-to-face congregations, it's been a really challenging week. And on a personal level, it's been additionally challenging for me. We have a number of friends who are facing the challenge of dealing with cancer. But on Monday, I was told that my mother has been diagnosed with inoperable cancer. And we're yet to find out just how serious and what needs to be done and what the response is. So there's not a panic. And so in that context, preparing this message around healing was a real challenge. But as I did, I found it began to ignite a fresh spirit of faith and expectation that as we come to God, there's going to be an incredible exchange. As you lean in to God's presence, God's power, the authority of his word, and allow his Holy Spirit to do something in your life, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your world, God's got something good for you. The scripture says, and it's been the foundation of this series out of Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 to 21, where the apostle Paul talks about the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he puts it this way, and I'm summarizing, getting to the essence of where we're launching into for this Sunday's message. He is first in everything or in all things. He has the preeminence. And he draws it to this conclusion that he, that is Jesus, made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was, had cosmic implications by means of the blood of Christ on the cross. And this includes you. And I want you to catch this. Paul brings it from this cosmic thing to an incredibly personal thing. The power of what Jesus did on the cross includes you. Jesus is preeminent in all things. The entire gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ obviously revolves around him. In a unique historic event, The sacrificial of death of Jesus on the cross changed everything for time and for eternity. The writer Hebrews puts it this way, for by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who have been made holy. For by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who have been made holy. And again, it's talking about the power of the cross. And there's two powerful expressions here that are really important to us. He made perfect, the word there, yes, it means perfect, but complete, brought to fullness, and the other term, forever. And so God's dream, God's passion, God's commitment to you is to bring you to perfection, to completeness, not just for time, but forever, for all of eternity. That's the power of the cross. And there were incredible exchanges that took place at the cross. Some 700 years before the cross, the prophet Isaiah Isaiah foretold 
as if it had already happened, some of the exchanges that would take place at the cross by the suffering Messiah. And we read in Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5, Surely he took up our pain. I want you to catch this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I want you to notice as you read through that passage and maybe even reflect on it today, that in each of the suffering points of the Messiah, there is something that is given to us. Forgiveness, peace, healing. Uh, And all these things are part of the incredible exchanges that took place at the cross. It was a divinely ordained exchange. Jesus received evil that was due us, that we might receive the good that was due him. God not only provided a variety, sorry, God has not provided a variety of solutions for the countless problems of humanity. Instead, he offers us one solution for everything, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, risen with healing in his wings, risen with power, authority over all things. And to receive God's answer every single time in a very real sense, we need to come to the foot of the cross because right there, there's an exchange that can take place. The evil that was due us was put on him so that the good that was due to him could be placed on us. Two weeks ago, Pastor Leighton spoke about the fact that it was Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. And in Ephesians 1 verse 7, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I just love that verse. Because of His blood, that blood that was shed at the cross, an exchange takes place. Our sins are washed away. Forgiveness comes. And it's because of the generosity and the richness of God's grace towards us. The second exchange that flows out of that, all our unrighteousness, our sinfulness was placed on him. And in exchange, his righteousness was given to us. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us or to be a sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In that sense, Jesus suffered as a sinless sinner. A sinner should have suffered that death, but he took it for us. But I want to focus on the next two, the issue of healing and the issue of eternal life. The scripture states categorically, he suffered for you. He suffered for me. The exchange that took place, he was wounded so that we might be healed. Again, listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Surely he took up our pain and bore 
our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And by his wounds, we are healed. In the New Testament, Peter picks up this thought. And I'm not going to go to the fullness of the passage, but draw out one key thought there. In 1 Peter 2, verse 21 and following, he's discussing this prophecy from Isaiah. And he reminds us with these powerful words, he suffered for you. He, in the epistle, he doesn't say we'll be exempt from challenge and pain and suffering. But he says in the middle of it, you need to know you can come to him because he suffered for you. And you can exchange your pain, your suffering, your disquiet, your lack of peace and receive peace and healing and wholeness and assurance. That divine exchange can take place right now as you listen to this and Exercise simple childlike faith, trust in the authority of God's word and the power of what took place at the cross. We all need healing. None of us are completely whole. For some, it shows more easily, perhaps. But all of us carry brokenness and pain. And in some instances, you're challenged with issues of illness, just like I talked about, a number of friends doing the cancer journey. My, somebody in my own family just found it this week, doing, starting on this cancer journey. There is pain in our lives. And all of us need some kind of healing, whether we're dealing with the issue of physical illness. I think for many people, the emotional trauma of multiple lockdowns, uncertainty that has gripped our world, there's been mental distress and it's not as visible externally, but the internal pain and struggle and anguish and sleepless nights. Some of you are dealing with kids who are sick or parents who are sick and you can't visit them. You can't connect. And thank God for telephones and Zoom and all those things. But we want to be there. We want to hold them. We want to pray with them. We want to encourage them face to face. Others are dealing with issues of spiritual bondage that you've been struggling with for years. And I want you to notice Matthew goes to this passage when Jesus begins to heal. As the Sabbath closes, it says in Matthew chapter 8, many who were demon possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Maybe in the chat, just put all the sick because that declaration begins to build faith for your own life, your own circumstances. He healed all the sick, not just some, all the sick, all those who were troubled and in anguish and struggling with these things. He healed all of them. And Matthew explains the authority, the basis on which Jesus was doing this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. I want you to notice that. He took them up. He took them on so that you could receive healing, so you could receive peace, so you could receive assurance. He took them up 
And he's saying, as I take that from you, I've got something to give you because he's the son of God risen with healing in his wings. Jesus clearly healed people in many different ways. He spoke to them. He touched them. He sometimes questioned them. Do you really want to be made whole? Or what can I do for you when it was clearly obvious what they'd come to him about? But he needed that confession, that acknowledgement. I need your help, Jesus. He even spat on the ground and made mud and put the mud in people's eyes and told them to go wash to be clean. He sent them to the priests. I'm thankful today that God's healing comes to us in so many ways. I'm thankful for the medical profession. I'm thankful for good health and good food and and those practical things that we can do to maintain health. And in even difficult situations, sometimes there's just change of diet can transform things. But I'm thankful that he's a healing God. I believe that he is our healer. And then he took all our pain and that he was wounded and he took our diseases that we might be made whole. I don't want to get too technical here, but I want to make something clear. I believe in divine healing and not faith healing. The scripture says in Mark 16 verse 17 to 18, and I'm just cutting out a few things to give us the essence of what he said with reference to healing, not that the other things are unimportant. These signs will accompany those who believe. And the belief there is belief in who Jesus is, that he's risen, that he's resurrected. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, Jesus says, in the name of Jesus They will place hands on sick people and they will get well. I want to say again, I believe in divine healing and not in faith healing. And what's the difference, you might ask? Faith healing focuses on what I bring, on what I do. I need to find the energy. I need to generate something. I need to bring personal effort. I need to claim and release something. Where's divine healing? brings all my focus and all my intention on the person of Jesus Christ. And as I simply put my faith, my trust, my confidence in him, and even if it is a struggle at times, but I'm looking to him, I'm not looking to find something in me to bring about healing. I'm looking to find something in him that brings healing to me. The scripture says in Hebrews, that we are looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He sparks faith in us and he brings our faith to completion. And I know faith's important. I know trust is important. It's a great Bible word. But I think sometimes we get it turned around that somehow I need to summon something in myself in order to get healed, in order to access peace, in order to enter into the tranquility that God offers us. But it's not the case. I focus on him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Later in the service, there'll be an opportunity for worship. And even if you can't find words or it's awkward to sing in the lounge room, I want to encourage you to look to Jesus, to lean into his presence and let his power do something. Let there be a divine exchange that takes place because what he accomplished on the cross. 
in James 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The healing in relationships often produces physical healing. Unforgiveness can block things. And that's not a blame thing, but just encouraging to, to let God's forgiveness wash over you and then extend it to others. And it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I want to encourage you to take the boldness, even if there's this thing, what if it doesn't work? We all face that when we come to pray for healing or believe for it for ourselves. But the focus is on not what we summon, but that we focus on Jesus and anticipate and believe for a divine exchange to take place there. Because often prayer ends up as a large ditch proposition an expression or resignation to our fate. Or perhaps prayer becomes this blame of the Creator. Well, I'm not healed because. We do not kneel before a vicious God or pray to pacify an angry God who taunts us with the threat of lightning bolts from on high. We come before a God who's the God of all mercy, the God of all grace, the God who sent his son to die in our place, to suffer on our behalf, that we might receive something from him in a divine exchange that is centered around the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, what he did on the cross. And so I want to speak just to three kind of key things will anchor this and perhaps allow faith to arise, not trying to summon something, but faith to arise. And as you look into the face of Jesus Christ, as you sit, as it were, at the foot of the cross and you behold him, you focus on him, you look to Jesus, he will initiate and complete something in your heart and life, and a divine exchange of healing will take place. The first thing I want to remind you of is we serve a good God. God is a good God. We need to smash the image of a frowning God, brooding in anger, hurling lightning bolts at the unsuspecting and the helpless, demanding something that we cannot find within ourselves. The God we serve is a good God. James puts it this way in James 1 and verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I want you to get this. God's not moody. I, I know you want. I am sometimes. You know, I'm saying that tongue in cheek. We all are moody. God's not moody. He's the father of lights. He does not change. He's not kind one day and angry the next. He's the father of light. He loves you. He cares for you. He's a good God. And perfect gifts come from his hands. I love the words of Psalm 103 
which really is something that I'd encourage you even in this period right now, maybe to confess over your life at the beginning of the day. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Just listen to those words. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A good father, no shadow of turning in him, who gives good gifts from above, forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We serve a good God. Secondly, we need to acknowledge we live in a fallen world. And there's a whole theological thing we can speak to that. I'm just touching on it to acknowledge the reality. We live in a world that is wonderful, that is amazing, that is beautiful, but at the same time is filled with brokenness and pain and cruelty and human beings do to each other things that are unimaginable and beyond our comprehension at times. And in that context, I want to say that not all of our sickness has anything to do with personal sin. I want to be careful on this. But what I'm trying to do is lift the blame game off you. Sometimes there are things that are just wrong or sinful in our lifestyle that have contributed to illness. But don't go there going, who do I blame for my sickness? Rather say, as I come to Jesus, what must I do to be healed? What must I do to be made whole? What must I do to be receive forgiveness? But what I can say with certainty is that sickness was not a part of God's original creation. And it has no place in God's final dealing with us as human beings in the new heaven and the new earth. And I'm coming to that right at the end. Sin and Satan have messed up God's intended plan for humanity. I want you to catch this. If you want to blame anybody, blame Satan. Blame the power of, the, of and the destructive nature of sin. Living a life apart from God. And I'm talking about the whole of humanity. Jesus said, the thief, speaking about the devil, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And then he says, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. I want you to catch the thief comes to rob you of your peace. The thief comes to rob you of your health. The thief comes to rob you of healthy relationships. The thief comes, but Jesus says, I come for a different reason. I come to give you something. I come to give you abundant life, a life that overflows. When Jesus came to live among us, it is clear evidence that God never, ever abandoned us and he will not abandon you, no matter what circumstance you're facing right now. He helps us overcome our heartbreaks. He helps us overcome the slings of satanic fury 
that are bent on death and destruction and chaos in our lives. And because of the cross, we can see God's grace and goodness released into our lives, into our circumstances, into our families, into our businesses. We can see God's goodness and grace released. In every situation, where the power of sin and the power of the enemy seeks to bring chaos and destruction through the power of the cross and a risen Savior, Jesus comes to bring life, to bring peace, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring restoration, which is our theme for this year, that God says, I will restore to you. And even if we feel right now some things have been taken away, God is true to his promise. He says, I will restore to you. And so we have a good God. We live in a fallen world. Yes, there is pain and loss on this planet. But the third thing is we have a willing Savior. It is the will of God to heal and deliver the sick and the tormented. And all sickness, and I say this categorically, all sickness and pain oppose his will. And I declare that knowing at times we are left with the question, well, why didn't this person get healed? Why didn't I seem to get an answer here? I get that. And, and that's a big question. I'm not minimizing that. But I'm declaring on the authority of God's word that all sickness, all pain, all suffering is in opposition to the will of God. God is not willing for any to perish. God takes no delight in our pain or suffering. He's a healing God. He's a good God. The Bible says, and we're reading from Luke's gospel, that Jesus was in a certain town and a man came along who was covered with leprosy. I don't think we fully appreciate the horror of leprosy in this ancient times. It meant alienation from family. It meant that abuse was hurled at you because every time you came close to people, you had to go unclean and you'd see the terror, the horror as they fled from you. The loneliness, the isolation, trying to eke out an existence, find food, the sheer horror of this illness. And here comes a man covered from head to foot. It's not just an illness on his body. It has seeped into his mind and into his soul and into his spirit. He can't go to the temple to worship. He feels cut off from God, rejected, isolated, totally in a place of despair. And when he saw Jesus, remember we said early on, it's not about summoning faith. It's about by faith seeing Jesus in your situation, in your circumstance. When he saw Jesus, he fell to his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And perhaps there was a pause and those who heard, not wanting to get too close, held their breath. What will the answer be? Will it be, well, you suffering because of your sin or you suffering because, or you suffering because? No, Jesus just simply reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. We serve a Savior as you look to him, 
as you come to him because of the authority of the cross that he took our infirmities, he took our pain, he took our sickness. When we come to him and say, Lord, if you're willing, he says, I'm willing. And he reaches out his hand. And I believe right now, and as we go on into worship, there'll be a sense of Jesus reaching out his hand towards you. And I want you to invite him, Lord, come into my circumstance. Notice it all started when he saw Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I reject any theology that produces lovelessness and dumps guilt on a believer when they don't seem to be able to receive healing or deliverance. I reject that. It is terrible to dump on somebody struggling further guilt and fear and something. No, just look to Jesus and let him reach his hand out to you. Sick people need our acceptance, our love, our willingness to pray for them. They don't need further analysis and judgment. I believe in the power of Jesus Christ to heal the sick and the afflicted and to break any bondage when his name is invoked in any circumstance. And I declare right now, in the name of Jesus, receive peace. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke anxiety. In the name of Jesus, I speak healing and curse disease. In the name of Jesus, I speak blessing and curse the curse that may have come against you. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I speak provision where there is lack. In the name of Jesus. Because surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And by his wounds, we are healed. As I conclude this, there's another exchange that ties right into this. This is brief. And that is to remind you that which is announced, declared, made certain by the resurrection of Jesus, and that is death is dead. I'm talking about death in its terror, in its horror, in the fear that it brings to humanity. Because one of the exchanges that took place at the cross, that in his death, we share his life and his resurrection guarantees that, says the sacrifice was accepted. Hebrews 2 and verse 14 and 15 says, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is, if you haven't worked it out, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Through the death of Jesus and his resurrection, death is rendered powerless by the forgiveness of sins and the grace that is extended to us. I, I, I want to put it this way, and this is a whole topic in and of itself. Death is no longer the master, but the servant who ushers us into the presence of God. And the reality is, unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, all of us will face death. It's part of what goes on on this planet. But death is no longer the tyrant. Death is no longer something to be feared when you've put your trust in Jesus. Death becomes the servant that ushers you into eternal glory, into his presence. And in that final salvation, 
It is guaranteed there will be no more pain and no more suffering. I want you to hear these words of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 4 to 5. He, the one who sits on the throne, the lamb upon the throne, the lamb with healing and forgiveness, Jesus will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am making everything new. We live in between times. Healing is available to us. Peace and restoration. Breaking free from spiritual bondage is available to us. But it will be made complete forever when we are in the presence of our Saviour for eternity. The question is, have you put your trust in Him? Have you put your confidence in Him? And if you haven't, that is the greatest exchange that can take place. Your brokenness, your sinfulness, which was already taken by Jesus. He took up all those things. He who knew no sin became an offering for sin that we might become God's children, the righteousness of God. In that moment of just saying, Jesus, I receive what you did on the cross. You receive forgiveness, grace, mercy, compassion, and the gift of eternal life. 